Monica, are you ready for some true horror? Of course. Good. Because I am going to talk about something from the past, something dark, something that will make you feel a little uneasy and something that seems like it should only exist in Hollywood. But this something is part of our past. This sounds like the perfect continuation for spooky October. Oh, it definitely is. And what I am going to talk about as they were called back in their time, is insane asylums. Oh, God. I just got chills. You're listening to Two Monicas in a Microphone. I'm your host, Monica. And I'm the other Monica. Join us each week as we talk about anything and everything from pop culture, the human experience, history to nostalgia, and everything in between. Before we get started, don't forget to hit that follow button on your favorite podcast app and leave us a five-star review. You can also connect with us on all social media at Two Monica's Podcast. That's with the number two. Thanks, Mon. Monica, have you ever done a haunted history tour? I did one in Seattle. Okay, so I have not done one before, but what I have done is toured an old reformatory. As I discussed in the travel episode, I also toured a gas chamber. Oh, yeah, Mm. it was uh, right. It was super eerie. And for someone who doesn't get as into true crime as you do, I think it's funny (laughs) that I went right there where someone died for a true crime. But something I've never done and I've always wanted to do is tour an old, insane asylum. They are absolutely gorgeous and they are so full of history and dark history, which sometimes I'm really into. So we are going to take our own tour today of some insane asylums across the U.S. Oh my gosh, this is going to be so interesting and so creepy. I am going to give a little bit of a history lesson here for a moment before we get into the creepy, because I think it's very important for people to understand where the insane asylum came from. Now, I'm sure that we look at them as if they were barbaric, but in their inception, they were actually much better option for people who were deemed to be, in quote, lunatics. And I'm using that word from the past. Obviously, I wouldn't use it today. Before these insane asylums, people's family would lock them in basements, chain them to walls, and deprive them of basic humanity, Monica, and who knows what else. Oh, that's awful. It is. And I thought about maybe starting the story of asylums with that time, but there's too much for one episode. So we're just going to go straight into the asylums that happened in the 1800s. Now, if you've seen any pictures of these, the late 1800s, you know, the Victorian era, or for us in <laughs> America, the Civil War era. So there it was a woman and her name was Dorothea Dix. And she really started this movement of treating the mentally unwell in a much better way. So I just want to read what she said. Oh, hey, why don't you let me read? So to quote Dorothea Dix, she says, I come as the advocate of the helpless, forgotten, insane men and women of beings sunk to a condition from which the unconcerned world would start with real horror. Wow, that's powerful. Absolutely. And what they went through was real horror. So I discovered Dorothea through research, and I would love to give her own spotlight someday. But we aren't here to revel in how far we've come with mental health. We are here to be a little bit 
frightened. But before that, Monica, can you explain why asylums were so grandiose? I mean, if you think about them as you've seen them in movies, I mean, they are huge and they are also beautiful. There is no reason why an individual who has the misfortune to become insane should, on that account, be deprived of any comfort or even luxury. And that's according to Thomas Kirkbride. Yes, and Thomas Kirkbride would actually went out and did, I think, 70 different asylums. And the whole idea behind it was to give this place of luxury and comfort for the mentally ill. So this all came from a good place in its inception, but Mm -hmm. not all things that start out good end up good. All of these asylum stories become horror stories. Oh, wow. And this building, I could just see horror written all over it because it is gorgeous and grandiose and it looks really old. Oh, it is really old. The construction on it began in 1858. And the building that we are talking about is the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum of Weston, West Virginia. It's actually supposed to be the second biggest hand-cut stonemasonry building in the world next to the Kremlin. If that tells anyone what we're looking at here. So its construction began in 1858, as I said before, but it didn't take its first patient until 1864. Any guesses as to why, Monica? Um, They only had manual labor. Yeah, well, that's a good guess. I thought that was (laughs) the reason in the beginning, but actually it's because, you know, between 1858 and 1864, this little thing broke out in America called the Civil War. So uh, yes, this that makes more building, sense. Yeah, definitely. So this building was taken over by the 7th Ohio Infantry. And in fact, these people that took it over went on to steal nearly half a million dollars that was set aside in a bank earmarked for the asylum. That's quite the theft. That should oh, be yeah, a true definitely. crime. Yeah, it was a true crime, but it was during war. So I guess it was, you know, they were like, oh, we don't want you to use this for bad causes. Who knows? Anyway, so the structure was occupied by both the North and the South several times. And raiders even took all of the rations and food meant for the first patients. But what I thought was interesting is that the state had set aside all of this money and had built this building to help the mentally ill. So you could see at this point before the entire nation went into shambles, they were trying hard (laughs) to do good. What I also found really, really crazy when I read the story is that the insane asylum survived. The lunatic asylum survived and it was actually able to open its doors in 1864 and house 250 patients with their own private rooms. Oh, wow. Yeah. And each it is luxurious and each connecting corridor let in fresh air and sunlight. It was really meant to be this place of luxury. But over the years, and this is the story that could be told on all of the rest of the asylums that I will mention later, it went into disrepair and mainly because of overcrowding. So it started Mm. out with 250 patients by 1880, 717 by 1949, 1800, and then at its peak in the 1950s, 2,600 patients in a placement to house 250. Now that is insane. That's insane. Oh, no, it definitely is. And this is just the story over and over and over again with these asylums and even the sanatoriums for those who had tuberculosis. Not only were they overcrowded, but the overcrowding obviously was going to cause some poor conditions. 
What kind of conditions are we talking about? Okay, so we're not just talking what was documented in a couple of different articles, which were things like poor sanitation, insufficient furniture, lighting, heating, all of that type of thing. We're talking about some real horrors, Monica, real horrors. And it's so sad because Dorothea Dix would not have liked this. What kind of horrors? Well, the regular use of lobotomies. In fact, at this particular asylum, they performed over 4,000 using the ice pick method. Are you familiar? Yes, I saw it in a movie. It's horrifying. Yeah, it is exactly as you would see it in a movie, and it is horrifying. And there was a doctor who just loved doing them, and there's a whole story about him that is extra creepy. Isn't it weird? Sometimes doctors can be the worst for the patients. So true. (laughs) They also used electroshock therapy, hydrotherapy, and insulin shock therapy. All of this sounds like it's designed to actually kill the patient. Most of this was designed to shut the patient up. And for a lot of the patients that they couldn't figure out how to deal with them, they locked them in cages or put them in isolation cells. Which caused them to go more insane. I mean, if you were locking me in a small closet, like, I don't see how you think that's helping. It doesn't sound any different than what the parents were doing or family members were doing a hundred years before. Right, so the overcrowding just caused this to happen because there wasn't enough staff, so poor choices were made. Four to five patients were being crammed into those rooms we talked about earlier, you know, the Mm -hmm. ones that were meant for the one person. And they weren't just being crammed in there, it's not like they were buying them beds. They were sleeping on the floor. Oh God. Monica, you know, I am, I'm not sure how someone is judged as mentally ill today, um, and I'm not sure what, how they were judged back then. So what, what were some of the symptoms or ways that you could end up there? Well, I'm sure that some people who were actually mentally ill did un- end up there. But what is frightening to me is this list that I came up with. Over the years, you could be sent to this asylum because your husband didn't want to deal with you. For women during this time, I think that you can understand why women tried to behave. I mean, I'm not an ultra feminist in the sense that some women can be, but also I am someone who understands that women did not have it easy. And especially when you could be sent away because your husband was tired of your antics. Also, you could be sent away if your period was unstable. (laughs) Yeah, right? Okay, yeah. And to this particular asylum. But I am telling you, this is like a true documented reasons why people were sent there. This isn't Hollywood. You could be sent there if you were lazy, which I'm guessing that would be probably be someone suffering great depression. Yeah. If you were epileptic, as we know, I think the people who are epileptic have been the subject of torture for centuries. Mm-hmm. If you were a drug addict, alcoholic, asthmatic, had rabies and i think if you go to the vampire episode you'll understand why (laughs) yes (laughs) um (laughs) had tb indigestion or (laughs) this last one i almost feel like could be used today and that's totally sarcasm y'all but political excitement (laughs) oh my god this list is really sad because of what ended up happening to the people 
They were very much dehumanized and many things that happen there that are also horrific are that the patients committed suicide. All of this that I am sharing is documented for this hospital. Patients committed murder, patients assaulted or raped staff, and actually, sadly, one nurse went missing for months and her body was eventually found at the bottom of a stairwell. And that makes me wonder, one, how did you not find that body? Or two, was she kept somewhere for months and then deposited? Oh... Well, all of these crimes and all of this violence would, it makes me understand why the place was short staffed. I mean, why would you want to put yourself in this position? I wouldn't want to. And if you were there, you would be playing the game of survival, I feel like. And also, I think it's one of those situations where narcissists, where predators can easily find their prey. Okay, Monica, we have talked about some actual horrors, documented horrors of our past. But now we're going to talk about something that I think is a little more lighthearted, which probably sounds crazy, sounds insane, and that's hauntings. I completely understand why these asylums are haunted after reading the description of what happened to the patients there. Right. And we're going to talk about the hauntings at this particular insane asylum. 500 people were documented to have died here, which is actually kind of lower than some other asylums. But what's sad is most of this was due to poor conditions, which is just heartbreaking. So the current owner actually will allow visitors to come in and do ghost tours. And because of this, it has been showcased a lot on TV. And there's also just a lot of documented stories about the paranormal here. All right. So where are these spaces and who can we expect to see? Well, I think this first one is pretty cool and it is somewhat documented so i think a little bit of it could be real a little bit of it not but this person is at least documented to have been born there and her name was lily born and there her, yeah her mother came as a pregnant patient with only the letter e as her name and according oh. to legend lily was raised by the staff but died of pneumonia at age nine and of course, she can be found doing the typical ghost child things like laughing, giggling, playing with toys. She's a lighthearted spirit there, but probably the only one. You can also visit a room where two patients killed another one very gruesomely. I mean, they tried to first make it look like suicide and choke him with bed sheets, but when he wouldn't die, they took the matter into their own hands and it got really bloody and that's enough for me. I don't need to detail it. Reading it once or twice was enough. But of course, you can still hear his moans and you're able to visit that room. On the subject of murders, there is one named Slewfoot, S-L-E-W-F-O-O-T. And from what I can find, he murdered people in the bathrooms of the asylum. Other things that you could experience here are footsteps of Civil War soldiers, which of course there would have to be that, screams and cries from the ghosts, and your very classic pushing of furniture and bruises, scratches, and bites. This has all been no. documented by visitors. Wow. This last one though, I've got to ask you about it. Visitors okay. can sit in a closet in the attic and you'll experience a rapid passage of time accompanied with a sense of calm. I would not feel calm, would you? No. 
<laughs> no, not at all. I would be probably terrified and trying to scratch my way out. Right. So I guess that that is the supernatural part of it is that you would feel calm versus wanting to die. That is crazy. Oh, it's insane. While some of this seems chilling, I think the most haunting part of this asylum and many others are its dark history. I mean, something that started out good and then just ended up so bad. It's no wonder that when most people talk about ghosts, it's because they're trapped here because of mistreatment, mm -hmm. trying to get back at someone, and they just don't leave the place. So they are dark themselves. The soul is dark, making the whole experience dark. Yeah, and one of the blogs that I was reading said that they think that maybe some of the ghosts here don't realize that they're dead. And that made me think. Now, I don't know how I feel about ghosts, everyone. So this is not a commentary on that, but a commentary on the thought of if they were real. And that is, if they were real and they died and they didn't know that they were dead, that would mean that their life was so awful they didn't know the difference. Oh, that is tragic and chilling. Yes. Now, Monica, I would absolutely love to sit here for the next three hours and detail out all the other asylums in America. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm truly in my element here. I can tell it's history and it's dark and it's creepy. Yeah, so like I'm like, woo. I mean, I did play my dark academia playlist from YouTube while I was detailing all of this out for today. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. But for anyone else who is really curious about asylums right now, we are going to share a few that you can do your own investigating on and read blogs and watch tons of YouTube videos. The first one is Rolling Hills Asylum in East Bethany, New York. From its official website, it was established in 1827, the Genesee County Poorhouse. It was originally a working farm, and it soon became a refuge for some of society's less fortunate. Widows and orphans mingled with the mentally ill, and the unclaimed dead were buried on the property. Oh, God. Over <laughs> 1,700 documented deaths and hundreds not recorded. It's no wonder Haunted North America rated it as as the second most haunted site in the U.S. Oh, I would love to go there. Oh, yes. I would love to visit absolutely every single one of these that we are going to talk about. Up next is Pinhurst, which is in Montgomery, Pennsylvania. This one got me. It got me. So a man named, and this is real, Jesse Beer was a doctor there and was known to torture patients, handicap patients, including children. And there's actually a five-part documentary from 1968 called Suffer the Little Children, which details these atrocities. Oh, goodness. I wonder if I can find it on Amazon to watch while Paul's gone. You might be able to. Um, it definitely is on IMBD, and it'll probably tell you where you can watch it. And next we have Taunton State Hospital in Taunton, Massachusetts. What is it with the Northwest and their creepiness? This asylum housed a serial killing nurse named Jane Toppin, who had killed over 30 patients. And she was a patient there and not a nurse. Right, so that's where she went to live out her life after killing people. I guess I thought she was insane. And it makes you wonder if oh. she did anything there. Yeah. Okay, so as a nurse, she killed the patients, but then mm -hmm. she was sent there to be a patient. Wow. Correct. Yeah, yeah. And the final one that I think would be worth looking up is 
Danvers Lunatic Asylum in Danvers, Massachusetts. Now, it opened in 1878 to house criminals who were mentally unstable. So it wasn't this beautiful, little, luxurious place. It was meant for that type of thing. By the 1930s, there were so many residents and so few staff that like people could die for days and no one noticed. Oh my God. It is the birthplace of the ice pick lobotomy. Ugh. And here's the clincher. It sits on the same land that held the Salem witch trials. No wonder it's a disaster, okay? Yeah, absolutely. Death Ooh. on top of death can never be good. All right, Monica. To close, I thought that we would share a few movies that you can watch if you want to get fully creeped out or get an overall feel for being institutionalized in the past. All of these movies that we are going to talk about feature insane asylums. Oh, okay. This will be good. The first one I came across is called The Snake Pit, and it is from 1948. Now, this is based on a novel by Mary Jane Ward, who gives her own personal account of the awful conditions and experiences that came from being a patient at psychiatric institutions, aka asylums. Oh, I bet that's good, especially because it's from the late 40s. Yes, the pictures that I saw on IMBD, I was like, oh, that looks bad. This one is one of my favorites, featuring Jack Nicholas. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest from 1975. And the caption reads, A fun-loving young man fakes mental instability and gets sent to an asylum to avoid prison. And he's encountered by the awful nurse Ratchet. This movie, I've seen it a couple times. It's also based on a book. And uh, Nurse Ratchet, she's awful. I watched this movie one time. It is fantastic but i could never watch it twice but you know i think that's par for the course with me <laughs> right up next we have girl interrupted from 1999 and this is another novel turned movie where a woman recounts her time in a mental institution in the 1960s so shutter island features leonardo dicaprio it debuted in 2010 and i've i've seen this one it was a great movie super creepy Martin Scorsese directed it, and how can you go wrong with Scorsese, right? No. So, Leonardo DiCaprio stars as a grizzled U.S. Marshal who's sent to investigate a patient's disappearance at a hospital known for the criminally insane. And you're led to question what's real and what's not real the entire time. So, we're not going to give away any spoilers, but if you haven't seen it, I would suggest Spooky October is the time to do I agree, and I've actually seen this one, and I loved it, and you will not regret watching it. The next one on the list is Stonehurst Asylum that came out in 2014, and I think I talked about this in a past episode, but this one details some of the horrors that we've mentioned from the asylums at the time, especially when they started being overcrowded or just some of the atrocities that happened in the earlier part of the 1800s. And this is another one that is going to make question what is real and what is not. And I really liked the twist on this one. Now, if you are looking for one that is very similar to the horrors that we shared earlier, then this would be the one that you would want to watch. Oh, I haven't seen this one. It sounds really good. Oh, it is. Asylum, 1972. 
and it centers around a young doctor seeking a job as an at a mental institution who, as part of the application process, has to interview and diagnose four patients whose stories eerily converge toward the end. I'm putting this Ooh. on my list. Yeah, this one sounds really good. And then we are going to close this list with Halloween from 1978. Okay. All-time fave. Yeah. So we know that it's not set in an asylum, but come on, it's spooky season. We have to mention Michael Myers and his escape from the mental institution to go on a killing rampage in his hometown. We have to. Oh, yeah. Well, friends, I think that's a great list. And there are several on here that I will be finding anywhere I can. And I'm going to force Paul to watch them with me. So I'm not too scared. (laughs) Oh, yeah, definitely not watching these while I'm home alone. So if you love all things that give you chills up your spine or are just a little bit spooky, make sure to follow us so you don't miss any more episodes in this series. And if you're ready to binge some more, just hop on back to season one starting at episode 34. Until next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and letting us be part of your day, whether that's folding socks, driving to work, or getting in your cardio. We're happy to provide you with entertainment about nothing serious, seriously. Don't forget to subscribe or follow our podcast so you never miss an episode. If you're loving it, leave a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. You can follow us on Instagram at 2MonicasPodcast. That's with the number two. Access extended show notes and more at our website, 2MonicasPodcast.com. Love this episode? Hit that share button and send to a friend who'd like it too. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next episode of Two Monicas in a Microphone. Awesome. That was fun.